0: Welcome to the New Hope Church podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a four-part Christmas series titled "You Got Christmas." In this series, Dr. Benji Kelly teaches from Isaiah 9:1 through 6, and the unbelievable way in which God has Christmas us with Jesus. The Bible calls Him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We hope you are encouraged and challenged to experience the love of God in ways that are fresh and relevant and spread that love to others.
1: Well, how are you guys doing? You guys sound great. Well, welcome. I, uh, I thought about not responding to that and taking the high road, but where's the fun in that, right? So just, just to make sure that things are clear around here, Um, because Scott said he was my mentor and leader I just wanted I took a picture of his nameplate this is his real nameplate back in the offices and I wanted you guys to uh, to see it so there it is so Scott is my apprentice and uh, just so you know that we take care of our apprentices around here I gave Scott the best office in the building so here's a little yes so that's that's where um, your student ministries pastor and my apprentice. That's where he does his work uh, throughout throughout the week. So, <laughs> well, happy New Year! It's good to uh, to see all of you. Uh, before we go any further, I want to welcome in all of our campuses. Whether you're in Garner, Sanford, at NCCIW, our Latino campus. Whether you're watching online or on TV, welcome and welcome to all of you uh, that are here at Central as well. Do you guys have a good Christmas? Good, good. I'm excited for uh, the year coming up. And uh, before I hop into our message, I want to share this. It's just a a story where I'm I'm sort of the, the butt of the joke, and we all like stories where somebody else is the butt of the joke, right? So enjoy, take take enjoyment in my uh, my misery here. I uh, well, let me say this first. Let me I'm all back up real quick. I had my wisdom teeth taken out, all four of my, my wisdom teeth taken out at the beginning of December. And when I did it, I thought, oh, I'll be, I'll be perfectly fine and ready for December 30th. I just, I knew I would. It's not so much the case. So if I sound a little different today, it's because I, I do sound different today. It's not just you thanking it. This side of my face is numb, which is kind of fun. And uh, this side, when I, right before Christmas, I was eating breakfast and my disc located, it's like back here in the, in the back right of my jaw. So this side hurts and this side's numb. So you can pray for me as we're going. So well, I'll come back to all that in a in a little bit. But, so that's not, I, I do look like a, a goofball with that joke, but, or with that story, but that's not the the, the story I was going to mention. Years ago, when my wife and I, after we got married and we bought our first house, we um, we we wanted to buy a house with character. That was our goal. Let's get a house with character. We don't want just like a plastic, you know, house. Let's get something with character. So we actually bought a, a 19th century home. It was, a, you know, late 1800s, and we, uh, we thought, man, this has so much character. This is going to be the house for us. And so, we bought it knowing there were hardwood floors underneath the carpet. And so the first thing we did, we walked in, we ripped up all the hardwood floors, and we started sanding. I don't know if you've ever sanded hardwood floors before, but it's, it's quite a task. And so we went, we bought like the commercial grade, or we rented like those big commercial grade sanders. And like, we did that for days. I mean, just days upon days and hours upon hours. And probably sucked in enough like, you know, dust from the wood to like take off 10 years of our life. And we'd have these sanding parties to like do all the edging because there was just so much to do. So we'd invite friends over saying, hey, you guys want to come over for pizza? And then once, they've, you know, once they had pizza, then we said, oh, hey, while you're here, we need a little help. You know? So it's a little, little housewarming gift from you to us. And so we'd have these parties. We spent like hours, I'm saying hours on these floors. And I thought that was the hard part. That's, that was, I just assumed that was the hard part. And so we, uh, we bought polyurethane. We wanted like this high-gloss uh, you know, floor. We just wanted these floors to, to pop really well in this old house. And so I went out and bought high-gloss polyurethane to, to put on the floors. And after I put on the first coat, and we, we couldn't stay there in the house because, you know, the, it was throughout the house. So we were staying with family. Put on the first coat, came back the next day, and uh, they were just looking good. I was like, this is, this is great. You know, and they say you should put about two or three coats on. But I realized I had already ran out of the polyurethane I bought, went back to the store, bought as much as I possibly could, came back. You got to, like, steel wool, you know, to get all those bumps out, just take out the rough edges put on another coat, left the house because couldn't stay in it, came back the next day, and I was just ready to like, see like, the fruits of my labor and be like, you know, one more coat, and we're all there. And I walked in, and there's these little, like, circular spots all over the floor. And, you know, most of it was, you know, had this glossy finish, but there was these spots that had, like, a satin finish, you know, kind of like a matte, you know, rough finish. And I was like, what, what in the world's going on? So we would, like, rub those out, and then I came back the next day, and, we, you know, I put another coat on. Came back after that and looked, and sure enough, like the spots went from being this big to like this big. So there, all there was most of the floor was this gloss, but there was these big like spots that were you know satin, matte finish. Rub those out, put another layer on. Came back the next day, you're like, okay, this is it. It's all gonna be better it was worse. (laughs) Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, the spots went from here to here to here. We're rubbing them out. So if you're counting, that's four coats. They said you should do about two or three. So we're up to four coats of polyurethane. So I called my brother. My brother's a carpenter. And so I thought, you know, whatever I'm doing wrong, you know, I'll call in the expert. So we bring him in and we're walking around the house and he's looking and he, you know, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know. And I think he's trying to figure out, you know, what to to, (laughs) to say to me, how to help me. And uh, so he looks at me and he's like, are you sure you bought the same kind of polyurethane? Like, are you sure you bought the same gloss both times? And I'm like, I brought you over to give me expert advice, and you're, you're saying, did you get the same? And I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I didn't. And so I had, like, this panic this sort of, like, rushed over. Me, and I rushed out to our front porch where I had the cans, and sure enough... All the cans I bought the first day were high gloss. All the cans I bought the second time were satin finish. <laughs> so I had four coats, one high gloss, three satin finish. So I went back and put on a fifth coat of high gloss, and the floors, I assume, look great today. Nobody's ever getting that polyurethane up. It is there <laughs> forever. Sorry, sorry for the, for the people that came in after. But in I, I, that whole process, I kept thinking this, and maybe, maybe you need to hear this today. If you want different results, you're going to have to start doing things differently. If you want different results, you're going to have to do things differently. Now, it sounds pretty basic, but if we're all being honest with ourselves, so often we do the same thing, and yet we want different results, Right? We keep going through the motions, and year after year, we sort of build things up, and we do the same thing. At year's end, we have the exact same results. Now, this is the time of year, right, where we start, you know, our New Year's resolutions, and we start looking to the future and thinking about all the things that we could uh, do in the next year. I don't know about you, but I I actually write up lists. Like, this guy, this is like what I want to see happen. This is what I want my life to do in the coming year. Maybe maybe you do that as well. Maybe it's a uh, an advancement in your career. Maybe it's getting a job uh, for the first time or maybe you've been out of work for a while. Maybe it is better health. You know, God, I just I would really like to have better, increased health. Or maybe you're praying for someone in, uh, in, your, uh, in your family. Maybe it's greater finances or to actually uh, develop a budget and get things on track. Maybe it's uh, a greater level of intimacy. Or maybe you've just said to you me know, for a long time, like, I've just wanted intimacy and it's, it's just not there. Maybe it's a heightened level of spirituality that you, you become closer to God like, like, like never before, this is, this is the year. Or maybe it is to uh, have greater relationships, maybe to uh, bring back a relationship that has failed in the past. Whatever it might be, we have all these different aspirations, or these New Year's resolutions that we, that we pile up. But for every one of us, for at least one of these things, it's difficult, difficult to conceive it being in the future. Because in the present, there's no peace, right? You would love to have hope and to put it in this box and say, these are my aspirations, God, make this happen. But the truth is, in, in, in the past, in 2012, or maybe in years before that, there's a lack of peace in your heart for it. You know, maybe there was a, a moment, something that happened to you, and it's left you stuck in the past, Maybe there was a, a frustration or something that someone did to you, and it's just left you stuck where you were. There's all these different things that can happen, promises that are unfulfilled, uh, something that you did to yourself, like you know full well that you did it, and it's, it's left you stuck in the past. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. It's our, it's our final installment of You Got Christmas, the Prince of Peace. Of peace. And I don't know how that phrase lands for you, but if I'm being honest, for me, it, it sort of gets lost in all of the Christmas church jargon. Like, it's just one thing amidst all the others, and you hear it in carols and, and hymns, and you see it in scriptures, and you see it on Christmas cards. And it's just one of those other things, right? Like, you hear, like, deck the halls, and silent night, and tis the season, and joy, and love, and oh, yeah, peace. But, like, what what is peace? Like, like really, like, what? is peace and why is jesus the prince of it you know i think for most of us we don't know what peace is but we know what it isn't right like if you could just take a snapshot of our lives like this is not peace like we know what peace isn't right like if you were to look around the world today and all the wars and the conflicts there's too many to even count to even be aware of all of them you watch cnn it's like well i thought that was this and well, no, this is happening there. Oh, oh I thought that was you, all the names and the places. They're all sort of like mixed up and fuzzy. Like That's not peace. It's not the droughts and the storms that have wrecked America in this past year. It's not a nation still struggling with a high un- unemployment rate. It's not strife in homes. It's not lost loved ones in the prior year. It's not struggling to pay bills. It's not picking up the pieces from a broken relationship. It's not a health issue that has rocked your world in the previous year. It's not a once peaceful, quiet town in Connecticut that is still full of reporters. And 27 beautiful gifts of God gone in a moment. Right? Like We know what peace isn't. And if so many of us are experiencing a lack of peace, it seems like it's time that we actually discover what it is And why Jesus wants to be the prince of it in our lives. So that's where we're going to go today. And if you want to turn to Isaiah 9-6 in your Bibles, you can. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screens for you. No problem. But this is what we've been reading throughout the month. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Of peace, Prince, in the, uh, in the Hebrew, is simply the word sar, which means commander or chief. Jesus is this commander of peace in our lives. And peace, a more familiar word for a lot of us is the word shalom, which means well-being, completeness, or wholeness. I want to stick on that word whole today. When you think of peace, I want you to think of the word whole or wholeness. Wholeness is simply being undivided in one piece, not broken or damaged. See, if peace is wholeness and we don't feel at peace, it stands as reason that for most of us we are divided, we're broken, and we're damaged. Said another way, peace is the experience of having all the pieces put together, while a lack of peace is the experience of being fragmented, incomplete, and broken. Let me read that one more time. Peace is the experience of having all the pieces put together, while a lack of peace is the experience of being fragmented, incomplete, and and broken. And I, I think fragmentation comes from a lot of different places. There's all kinds of different things that can happen in our lives over a course of a year that can bring in brokenness or, or damage to our lives. But there's three main categories I think sum up most of them pretty well. The first is just simply this. It's unrepentant behaviors. Unrepentant behaviors. It's things that we do. It's things that we've caused to happen. Right, We did it, and we haven't actually brought it to God and asked for his forgiveness. We, uh, we were, it's some, maybe it's something we're still doing. Maybe it's something we've struggled with, and we just haven't fully given it to God. But unrepentant behavior, that's something we do, and it's something that we bring in to our own fragmentation. The other is, is uh, unresolved hurt. Unresolved hurt. This isn't something you did. This is something that happened to you. Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe something happened. Maybe someone passed away in the last year or moved away. Whatever it is, it's not something you necessarily did. It's something that happened to you, and there's unresolved hurt. And the third one is simply this, unfulfilled promises. Unfulfilled promises. Someone promised you something, and they haven't made good on it. Maybe you think God actually promised you something, and that hasn't come to be. There's a lack of potential coming about in your life in a certain area. So it it's, goes from unrepentant behaviors, unresolved hurt, to unfulfilled promises. Those are the three bigger categories, but I think all of those fit into one big category that we can just simply label as our past, right? Right? I mean, if, we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, all of us have one of those three, and all of us have a category in our lives. That there's something in the past that's preventing us from going to the future, right? Like if you can't find yourself in this box, I would like to say, welcome Jesus. It's good to have you today, right? <laughs> like, come on. Like we're all all of us at least have one of these. That there's something that's preventing us from moving forward into the into the the, the future with this. Maybe there's a uh, a relationship. It's just damaged, and it seems damaged beyond repair. Maybe it's a problem in a house, or maybe it's a, a trouble with a child, whatever, whatever it might be. You might be struggling with your finances, or maybe you actually did something with your finances that you're not proud of. Maybe there is a, a health issue for you or someone in your family, and it's just taken everything out of you in the past year. I can, I can experience a little bit of what that is like even now. Maybe it's your career. Maybe you would just love to have a career. Maybe you've been out of work far longer than you would like to to have been in this year. Maybe you just feel stuck in your job, whatever that might be. Maybe you long for a greater level of intimacy with someone, or maybe for you, there wasn't something that happened in 2012. There was something that happened in 2011 or 2000. Or maybe it's years or even decades ago. There's something that happened with you and someone else and you just can't get past it. And every time you think about a level of intimacy, that comes to your mind. Or maybe it's your spirituality. Maybe you're angry with God for something. Or maybe you just you think that God is distant and he doesn't care and he's, he's not speaking to you. Whatever it is, we all have these things. There's these fragmented pieces in our past and we would love to move them into the future. But if we don't do things differently, we won't find peace for them there because we don't find peace for them here. You follow me? So where do we go from here? I want to encourage you with this. If our our past remains fragmented, peace will be absent from our future. If our past remains fragmented, peace will be absent from our future. So what's the answer? What's the answer? I want to encourage you, it's actually... I think, I think the answer is in Isaiah chapter 9. It's, I think it's actually a verse that we might have skipped over when we were going ahead to Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. I think, I think if we weren't careful, we would have just skimmed right by it. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5, it says this, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Now, the first time I read that, I just I just skimmed right over. I didn't even pay attention to it. And then I, I kind of went back to it. Like, what, what does that mean? Like, what is that? Every warrior's boot used in battle and the garments that were used to roll up the blood will be fuel for the fire. All is simply saying, it's very simple. Jesus is, Jesus is going to take that which was in the past, that which was used for violence, that which was used for destruction, that which is broken and fragmented. He's going to take it and he's going to use it for good in the future. That's, a, that's what fire is in that. It's a good thing. They, they needed fire for warmth, they needed fire for energy, for their projects, whatever it might have been. God's saying, he, he is going to take those pieces and He's going to mend them together in the future. You're going to have a, a future that's not disconnected from the past, you're going to have a future that's enriched by it. That's what He's saying. I recently learned about a, a Starbucks store that kind of caught my eye. I want, I want you guys to, to, take a, to take a look at this. In, in, uh, in Washington, they, they said, we want to build a store by using products from our supply chain, things that would normally be waste, that would just get thrown away, something that we use as a store. We want to take it, and we actually want to build a new store from it. And so this is the view outside of their corporate offices in Seattle. And as they were looking out, they saw all these old shipping crates that were sitting out there. And they did a little bit of research and they learned that old shipping crates, they last about 20 years and then they throw them away. And we've all seen old shipping crates. They look a little something like this. If you guys want to pop that one up there. We've seen them, right? They, they sort of, they end up somewhere. They end up in a scrap heap. After 20 years, they're no good and they get thrown away. So Starbucks, they said to themselves, what if, I love, pay attention to these words. What if we reclaim, refurnish, renew and revive old shipping crates, they could actually look like this. They built a brand new store from old shipping crates. I want to read their words again. What if we reclaim, refurnish, renew, and revive? What I wonder about you, maybe you need reclaimed. Maybe you need refurnished. Maybe you need renewed or revived this morning. I want to say something to you today. God desperately wants to do that in your life. Whatever your brokenness and fragmentation might be, he wants to take it and move it forward. Now, if you're like me, the next question is how, right? Like how? How can God use this? How can God use this brokenness to actually create something beautiful in the days, weeks, and months ahead? How can I get from 2012 to 2013? How can I get from a past to a future? How can I get from brokenness to wholeness? In the Psalms, there's all these different kinds of categories as as uh, as theologians have looked at them and they try to like find different patterns. And one of the patterns that they often find is is called a Psalm of Lament, just a Psalm of grieving or a Psalm of mourning. And we all think I don't think you know in, in, in the sort of like in the present world we like to look at that kind of thing. It's it's not hopeful, it's not positive. But I actually think there's something pretty powerful in them that if we were to look at them today it would actually help us move from the past to the future. So I want to look at it. The first thing that we're going to see. In Psalm 56, which is where we're going to turn in just a second, is that we are encouraged, we're challenged to speak plainly to God. That's the first thing. Speak plainly to God. Just give it to him straight. Don't beat around the bush. God, this is what I'm going through. God, this is what I feel. God, this is what I've done. All right, so let's look at it. In Psalm 56, it says this. Oh, God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me. And many are boldly attacking me. So he's just throwing it right out there. They're always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, oh God, bring them down. I mean, the writer is just being raw. He's just being honest. He's just putting it out there. And I think if we're looking closer, there might even be a bit of unbelief, a bit of distrust in God. Like, God, you said you would do this, and yet this is what's happening. God, I thought if I followed you, this is what life would be like. But this is really what life is like. He's just putting it out there. He's just being honest. God, this is what's happening. This is what I feel like. This is what I did, right? He's speaking plainly to him. I think sometimes people don't like to do that. They don't like to just give it to God. But here's something I'm always encouraged by when I'm praying. If God can hang the moon and he can hold back the oceans, he's big enough to hear my concerns, right? Like he, He's big enough to hear what I have to say. And I think there's something very positive that happens when we begin to articulate, God, I thought this. God, what about that? And then we speak it and we, 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 we actually put it out there to him. There's something that begins to happen in the process and we, we learn it here in Psalm 56. The second step is just that. It's submit your sorrow, Submit your sorrow. Verse 8, it says this, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. First seven verses, he's just laying it out there. God, this is what's happening. This is what I feel like. This is what's going on. And in the process of speaking that out, there's something that happens. He comes back and says, Yeah, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one In your book. In ancient times, there was this practice of having a tear bottle, the the writer is talking about. Just be a a small bottle that they would actually collect their tears in. Whenever they were going through a time of grief or a a time of sorrow, they would collect their tears in a bottle. They put a cork on top of it, which for a little while would preserve the tears. They'd last for just a little while, but there's also air they can get in. And so after a certain period of time, they would evaporate. And what they, would, what they would be reminded of is this it's okay to grieve. It's okay to mourn. But when the tears are gone, it's time to get up and move forward. And what the writer is saying is this. What the writer is saying is that God collects your tears in a bottle. God hasn't left you, He's not silent, He's not somewhere else, not listening. He's actually, when you're in that darkest point, when you're in that darkest moment, he is actually sitting right there close with you. God is actually collecting your tears in a bottle. And what he's doing is reminding you that one day they're going to evaporate. One day I'm going to take the old. I'm going to take your past. I'm going to take those times where you felt like I wasn't there. And I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to linger with you. I'm going to mourn with you. Something beautiful in that, isn't there? He's never left us. Whatever you're going through, whatever fragmentation you've been feeling, God was right there all along. And so today, while you might love to sit and write some aspirations for the new year, what you might actually have to do is sit with God. God. You can't just simply take the flag from 2012 and put it in 2013, doing the same thing and expect different results. You might actually have to just sit and listen and linger. Because sometimes you need to grieve, right? Sometimes you need to mourn. There are things that have happened. There's things you've done. There's just things that haven't come about yet in your life. And you just need to sit with God. And in that process where it, it might feel dark at the time, There's actually healing that's taking place on the inside. Eventually, the tears will evaporate and God is going to move you forward. Eventually, it's going to get better. And that's the third thing. Leave it with him. Leave it with him. Speak plainly to God. Submit your sorrow. Thirdly, leave it with him. Verse 9, it says this, My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? So he starts out sort of complaining to God, right? God, this is what's happening. This is where I am. Oh, yeah, you're with me. You're near me. You're actually grieving with me, and you're spending time healing my inside. And then he's reminded, you're going to move me forward. You are going to lift me up. And here's the deal, you can't do it. You can't get from the past to the future on your own. You can't get from brokenness to wholeness on your own. There has to be something that's taking place in the middle. See, if we don't leave it with him, we'll never move forward. If we don't leave it with him, we'll never move forward. And this is the hardest step, isn't it? I I think it's sort of easy just to give it to God, right? Like We can speak that. Maybe we can even sit with Him, but to get up and actually leave it with Him, trusting that He's going to do what only He can do, I think sometimes that's the toughest part. And so I just want to leave you with three thoughts of encouragement. The first is this. If you actually have behaviors that have, that have happened at some point in the past, maybe there's something that you're doing right now, and you say, how in the world could God forgive me for, for what I've done, and then take it and move it into the future and do something beautiful, I want to I share this verse with you. It's Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption. Redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You see, you might be thinking about the things that you've done. And you think, God, how could I ever move forward? You know what I did. And while you're still holding on to it, he's not. While you're still lingering with it, he wants to move it into the future and actually work in and through you. Maybe for you, there's some hurts. There's something that happened to you. There's someone that, that's your mourning because they're not with you anymore, whatever it might be. I want to encourage you with this. In Genesis chapter 50, there's this beautiful transaction that takes place. Whenever Joseph loses, loses his father, Jacob, he begins to mourn. And it says the whole community comes around him and they sit with him and they linger with him in that mourning process. what they were doing is they were showing Joseph, you're not alone, we're with you. And not only that, moreover, we're being God in your presence. Like we're showing you God has not left you. Jews today actually still mourn this way together. It's called sitting shiva. Maybe you've heard of it. That when someone passes away in a Jewish family, that they will come over and they'll fix meals together. And they don't even talk a lot, they just sit. They just linger together in that mourning process. What's actually happening is they're they're, they're lingering together and they're saying, God has not left you. They begin to think of Psalms like Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. He's never left me. Today, you might need to stay here a little longer. You might need to, to stay in this process and let God heal and, 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 and mend and take some of the brokenness. But don't forget that the tears will evaporate someday. They, they, they will pass on and God will want to take you forward. Or maybe for you, there's a, uh, there's a promise that doesn't feel like it's come about yet. You've got goals and aspirations, and you're saying, When, God? Like, when? I've waited, I've been faithful. God, when are you going to bring this thing to come about? We go back to Isaiah 9. In verse 7, I think there's a, just a small verse at the end of all of that that we read. That God says, I'm going to bring Jesus. He's going to heal the world. He's going to use boots used in battle to, to, to be fuel for the fire. He's going to be wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. At the end of it, he closes with this. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Maybe you need to hear that today. That which God started in you, he will finish it. There's a promise right there in the scriptures that the zeal of God will accomplish this. He wants to do something in you. He wants 2013 to be your best year ever. That regardless of the circumstances around you, that what he's doing inside of you changes Everything. I want to invite us all to stand right now. As you're standing, I want to share this, uh, this verse. There's a song that we often sing around here. And the verse says this. I think it's powerful. Treasure of my heart and of my soul. In my weakness, you are merciful. Redeemer of my past and present wrongs. Holder of my future days to come. Wherever you're at in this process today, whether you're kind of stuck in the past or kind of stuck in the middle, I want to just remind you that God has a future for you, bigger and brighter and more powerful than you can even imagine. But you can't get there on your own, right? In 2013, would you do things differently? Would you go about it a whole different way? Will you submit to God And just raw honesty and and give it to him and leave it with him. God, this is what I want and trust that he's going to be taking care of you. So often I think we talk about peace as though it's the absence of something. It's the absence of war. It's the absence of strife. It's It's the absence of hurt and anger. And if that was the case, I don't think we'd ever experience peace because we live in the real world and all those things are always happening. I don't think peace is the absence of something, I think it's the fullness of God in us. It's not the absence of these things, it's the fullness of God in the midst of those things. See, God doesn't have a future for you that's completely disconnected from your past. God has a future for you that's enriched by it. He doesn't want to just throw your past away. He wants to actually take it and reclaim it and renew it, refurnish it and revive it for a whole new future. I wonder for all of us, If we've been living without peace, are we willing to do things differently in the year ahead? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for reminding us that you have never left us. Thank you, God, that you have been with us the whole time. You've been with us in the whole process when days and moments situations seem to linger on forever and we seemed all alone the scriptures remind us that you are there god you have a future waiting that is brighter and bigger than we, we can even imagine god for those of us who need to sit and linger in your presence today before we can move forward god would you just sit with us may we feel your presence And may for today, may that be enough to feel your presence. God, whatever our our past fragmentation is, I pray for all of us here today that we would bring it to the foot of the cross and be reminded that you didn't remain there, that you actually rose up again in the new life. For all of us, God, we stand awaiting that new life in you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to stand and sing.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.